0: Welcome my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, April 21st. We are here live. It is a free for all and it's going to be quick. It's just an hour today. So line up those calls right now. 855-950-3835 is the number to join us. Pick up the phone. Anything goes today. If you have a question, a comment, a topic. Whatever it might be, pick up the phone and dial right now. If you wait till the end of the show, I might not get to you. I've got some uh, odds and ends I want to cover, and then we'll get straight to your calls. So pick up the phone and join us. Uh, It's uh, been a long day for me already. I got up at about 3.30 this morning. Headed to the airport in Pittsburgh to pick up a new charger cooler, which almost didn't fit in the van. Uh, The box they put it in was pretty big. We got it in there, got it back. I thought I was just going to mess around a little this morning, and uh, then Jason jumped in to help me. Jason's one of the mechanics here at Pittsburgh Power, and we got pretty serious about it, and we actually got the charger cooler out, the old one. That was the... uh, the big worry was if we were going to have to raise up the whole coach and take the entire assembly out through the bottom, which is what the factory told me I was going to have to do. It's, uh, they have a, a whole unit all bolted together, and it's got shrouds all around it, and it's the radiator, which is big. The charger cooler, which is giant, and then the AC condenser, they're all mounted together. The factory said you're going to have to drop the entire unit out through the bottom, which means you'd have to get the coach pretty high up in the air. But it turns out we didn't. Uh, This is one of those jobs we actually spent more time looking at it. Ethan helped me the other night. I was working late, and Ethan stayed late with me, and we... The more we looked at it, the more we thought we might be able to drop it down just enough, tilt the whole assembly forward, unbolt the charger cooler, and take it out through the side. And it actually worked. And uh, Jason had another great idea. We put real long extension bolts on it, so uh, we could drop it down. We got it out. Uh, Jason's still working on getting things cleaned up and prepping to put the new charger cooler back in and i'm hoping i can button this thing all up today do another smoke test i'm almost afraid to look for more leaks but we've got so much tore apart right now that now's the time to find them and uh get them fixed so i'm hoping i can wrap it all up today i think it's going to be a long day uh we also, yesterday, oh boy, we got calls coming in already. i am probably uh, make this quick and get to the calls. Um, we released our app in beta yesterday, the app to listen to this show. And I got to tell you, the team has done an awesome job on it so far. Uh, this is our first beta. Um, if you want to be a beta tester, we have really, really a uh, Limited number of spots for beta testing. Uh, But if you want, you could reach out to support at Let'sTruck.com. Send your name, your email, and whether it's Android or uh, Apple. And we might be able to get you in on the beta testing. I know I played around with it quite a bit yesterday. Uh, Listened to it while I was driving today to the airport and back. Really impressed. It looks amazing. The functionality already is really cool. Uh, It's even got a driving mode. You know, we don't want you taking your eyes off the wheel to play around with an app. So the driving mode gives you just a couple of big buttons. Um, you could reverse 15 seconds if you miss something. It's just, uh, I could go on and on. So some really cool features on it already. So we are excited about that. We, uh, we got some people into the beta program yesterday. I don't think we have anybody on Android yet. That takes a little longer. I think everybody on iPhone that uh, was part of the beta should have gotten their invitation. So we'll keep you informed on how that's going. Uh, one more thing I noticed, then I'm going to jump into the calls because they are coming in fast. I, I when I see these kind of posts on on social media, I always just wonder. The group I'm in, uh, Freight Brokers Network group, they just get some really interesting posts in there. Listen to this one: Looking to become a broker. Dispatching is too much hustle and bustle. Where should I start? I just have to wonder if you're dispatching, how do you not know how brokers work or or where to start? But the the more interesting thing about this is if you look at what we're calling dispatching today, now I'm assuming because he's in this group, he's not dispatching for a trucking company. The, this the last couple of years we have seen an explosion, of dispatch services that work with individual owner-operators with their own authority or maybe, you know, small fleets, a couple trucks. There's even some crossover. There were some arguments early on. Is this even legal? Uh, Is it brokering without a license and depending on how you do it, but it doesn't seem to matter because they've taken off. They seem to be everywhere. Uh, I've told people just be careful. By the time you spend all the money to get all your authority, you have to factor many times or you've got to have good cash flow. You've got to start doing your own fuel tax. You have other filings you have to do. And now you have to find freight. And typically you will you know, use a load board. That freight's going to go through a broker. So you're giving up on average 13 or 14 percent and then we started adding these dispatch services well they're going to take a piece of the pie and when rates were really strong this all made sense when rates aren't so strong uh, you're gonna have to be very careful how much of the pie you're giving away I have a feeling these dispatch companies are going to really really struggle as rates come down because a lot of owner operators are going to find out they can't afford it. And it seems to me like what you're doing is you're paying somebody to spend time on the load boards looking for freight for you. These dispatchers can't ha- they can't originate the freight. If they originate the freight they're a broker, they need a bond and a license. If they're just providing a service where they go look on load boards or call brokers, I guess that does make it legal. But this sentence, he wants to become a broker because dispatching is too much hustle and bustle. Well, if you understand how both of these operations work, being a dispatcher took away the hardest part of being a broker. So why do you think being a broker is going to be easy? As a broker, you still have to do a lot of dispatching. You still have to find trucks to move your freight. But you have to go sell freight first. You have to service customers then. You have to be responsible for a lot of things on that load. The broker does that. Dispatchers don't. So if you think dispatching is a lot of hustle and bustle, double it, and now you've got a brokerage operation. So unless I'm missing something, I think we a, a lot of these people just really don't understand the industry all that well, and they don't understand how all of these things work. Uh, if you've got a comment on that, certainly pick up the phone and join me. We're going to head off to Florida to get started today. Matt, welcome to the program.
1: Good morning, Kevin. Um, I guess I could comment on the whole broker thing. Right now my direct customer is going to subcontract everything else to a 3PL. And this isn't even a 3PL that is a broker. You know, most people would think, you know, something big like a T. Robinson or right. something like that. I'm not going to mention the name. I mean, everybody recognize the name because they are big in the trucking industry, but it's, it's not on the freight side. Okay. My God, is it a pain in the ass <laughs> to go through this? And I'm dealing with a couple other owner operators the for this this uh, shipper. And they're like, can we just pay somebody else to do this? Yeah. Yeah, they're called brokers. Exactly. Called all this you can get all this taken care
0: of. That's right. That's uh, right. So when you see a statement and somebody is saying dispatching these dispatch services are too much hustle and bustle i want to be a broker how does that make any sense
1: you know, there there's a lot more goes on behind the scenes than just oh here's a load you know we're going to well, take 14% of that and you know not do anything
0: well, yeah, the, the first thing you have to do as a broker, I, I know these people actually i have seen statements. They think that as a broker, they can just go on the load board. No, dispatchers do that. Nope. As a broker, you have to go physically sell freight. You have to convince a shipper to give you that freight. And that's when, the, I was going to say that's when the hard work starts. But for a lot of people, sales is really, really difficult. I mean, you better get used to hearing no a lot. Um, I've seen statistics, depending on the industry, um, you might make 50 calls to make one sale. I heard a commercial about sales the other day. Um, The average sale isn't made till the fifth call. The fifth time you approach somebody, and that means they said no the other four times. I've been there. I know what this is like. Freight sales is very competitive, and it's not easy to break in when you're new. And, you know, the idea of being told no four times from the same company and going back for the fifth, and that's when the average sale gets made on the fifth attempt. So now you've got some freight. Oh, great. Let's have a party. We got some freight. Well, now you better go find some trucks. That's not always easy either. And you've got to find a truck that'll move it so you can make some money because you've already committed a price to the shipper. Now you have to hope you can go move it and and have that 14% left over. And then guess what happens when something goes wrong on that load? Guess who they're calling? The shipper's calling you, the broker. That's your job. It's to handle all the stuff the shipper doesn't want to handle.
1: Yeah. Not even the freight side of it. Just this whole—I mean, it's onboarding in a way, same as setting up with a broker, but it's on steroids.
0: Oh yeah, uh, you're right.
1: The con contract side of it and weird insurance requirements and fighting through all this—it's it's it's a month long that we're going through to do this. Yeah, It's, it's very. It's very frustrating. That's all I can say. Yeah, I'll bet. That's why most people don't do it.
0: Yeah. No, I get yep. it.
1: Um. But
0: one other thing you
1: mentioned is um factoring and uh, you know being prepared. I sent you yesterday my accounts receivable. Yeah. Got a new record. I, one truck. I so, broke sixty thousand dollars that's owed to me.
0: Yeah, what was the number that, that is owed to you? You've already moved all of these loads, you've paid the fuel, you've paid all the expenses, you did the driving, and how much money is owed to you now? 62.
1: But I sent you that yesterday afternoon, in the middle of the night, I got an email about
0: a $6,000 check coming through. So oh, okay. I'm got back it. under
1: 60, but.
0: Yeah, so I think that what you I mean, sent to me nothing. yesterday was 64000 But here's something else that people okay. need to realize. You're not guaranteed to get that money. You've extended credit to somebody, and there are times where you don't get paid in business. So extending the credit the way you've done is a business risk that a lot of people don't understand.
1: Oh yeah, especially you start getting out, you know, six weeks and Right. I mean even sixty days isn't unheard of in, in large business. And you know, today's rates and the fuel surcharge and where everything is at, it's, boy that added up quick.
0: Yeah, sure did. That's a lot of money to be out on one truck.
1: Yep. You, know, uh, you know, luckily it's you know, two customers dedicated, their their pay hasn't changed, so I'm not worried about anything. Right, it's right. Just, it's, it's the way rates are and working seven days a week, like I have been, it's just, the number gets big. The, yes,
0: it does. Um, yeah,
1: which so that's the reason for my call. Talking about taxes on Monday, you started with that, and uh, the individual four hundred and one k. I've talked to you a couple times about, and it looks like. A, I haven't got a direct answer yet, but as an S-Corp, it looks like the only number we can use is the W-2.
2: Well, so that
1: the number for how much the corporation can put in as discretionary is the 25% of the W-2. Really? K-1.
0: Well um, that doesn't make sense though. Well <laughs> Well
1: it, it's going on, you know, what you pay Social Security or or self employment tax.
0: Well well right. Um, that and that should be the employer's yeah. contribution. But what about the employee's contribution? If it wasn't your corporation, they'd That's, be able to the, So are they penalizing us the because you're can put, it's your corporation?
1: Yeah, you're, they're penalizing you because as an S-Corp, you're an employee, not an employer. As an employee, I can put the $20,500 in for 2022. That's the okay. number. But to go up and above that, it's once a company can put in 25% of anything you paid Social security on.
0: So we've never really had to deal with this because we've never, I uh, I've never had a client, even when I was doing taxes full time and we had hundreds of clients, I never had a client who ever tried to max out their 401k. Cause it's a lot of money. It's like 50, almost 60 some thousand dollars. If you, the way we were thinking it would work. So we never even dealt with it. You, so now that you're trying to put that much money and now we're seeing, the limitations it w- it would seem to me like if this were really an issue and we really wanted to get this money in couldn't we sell the entire corporation to your spouse um now now well, what can I don't happen know how that would work because well, it, it seems to me the, the rule always says if you are more than a 2% owner of the S Corp, which small businesses you always are, you, you know, you own 50% or the whole thing or whatever. So, of course, you're going to be more than a 2% owner. But if that's the rule, 2% owner, and you sell 100% of the shares to your spouse, you're no longer an owner of the corporation. You are just a true employee now.
1: the corporation would still be limited to my W-2 as to what it could put into my 401k.
0: Oh, well, and then that screws up the whole tax so, thing because but, we want to keep the W-2 as low as we can.
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you're, if you really, truly wanted to max it out, there's really no point to be in a, an S-corp anymore. You might as well just pay the self-employment tax. Cause that, yeah, you've mentioned this the other day too, the, Social security, they've raised it with, uh, you know, the The cap,
0: yeah. It's a
1: hundred and forty seven thousand now.
0: Oh wow. It went up way more than what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, Yeah.
1: It's it's all ridiculous. But so anyway, I figured the numbers if I wanted to up my payroll, which I'd have to move a hundred thousand dollars off of my K one, and put it in the payroll. Oh, you'd get killed in taxes. Basically I'd be paying I'd be paying a sixty six percent tax yeah. to get money into my four oh one K.
0: So So you're actually I've better off.
1: It's better just just investing completely outside of Four O one K and um capital gains whenever I take it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, it's, that's ridiculous. I mean, it really is. I don't know why we make it so damn hard and so complicated and put so many limitations on people who are trying to save for retirement. I mean, that's the whole point of all this. It, trying to do the responsible thing so you're independent when you retire and they make it this difficult and complicated and they limit you. I mean, I, I really don't get that.
1: And, and just to be clear for everybody listening, right now this is still up in the air. That is everything I can find online from different tax firms, you know, that post stuff out, but can't find it anywhere on the IRS website. No, no and, and. So I have hired an EA. Good. To actually do the research. Good. And I'll, I'll pay it and, so we can get the information. But yeah. I, it, Like I said, everything I've read so far is not looking good.
0: Yeah, like I said, I've never done the research because I've never needed to. Um, I can't make contributions myself. I can't even have a solo 401k because I have employees. So I'm not allowed to have a solo 401k. I would have to have a company 401k, and then you get killed with administrative fees on those things.
1: And yeah, the only form I found on the IRS website does state, you know, it includes K1 and all that, but then line two, it says, what did you pay in self-employment tax? Well, as an F-Corp, we don't pay self-employment tax. Right. And that's where everybody's saying, because well, as an F-Corp, you're not, you're an employee, so how you get
0: paid. Right, it's not so, self-employed, it's you're, self-employed. You, oh my God. Yep. What a mess. Really? I it it, you know, and and we're only
2: ever heard of something called the
0: fair tax. Yeah. And we're only talking about one type of retirement account. Now an individual 401k, we could start talking about traditional 401ks. We could talk about Roth 401ks. We could talk about 403 B's. We could talk about simple SEPs, traditional IRAs, Roth IRAs and, and all of them have different rules. I, uh, unbelievable that we haven't come up with a simple way to allow people to save for retirement without getting killed on taxes. Well, we have come up with a way. You yep. just mentioned it. It's the fair tax. Save all you want. You save all you want for retirement. The more you save, the less tax you pay. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. It, that's what's beautiful about the fair tax. Yeah. It, the, the tax is when you spend money. Correct. So nothing else right. matters other than when you spend money.
0: Right. You, you, we don't have to have any kind of special account. Put your money wherever you want. Stick it in your mattress. doesn't matter. You're not going to pay tax on it if you don't spend it. Ah. Nope. <sighs> All right. Uh, just one quick update
1: with the app. Um, so the screen today, I have the button right on there to
0: call, and just click that. Oh. Uh, Neat upgrade you, and. you you did use the uh, click the call button. Yep. Awesome. Now, the telephone icon there and it worked. They're working some black magic in the background because somehow that that button is only supposed to show up when we're live. Is that working yet? I think they were still working on that technology. Ah. Uh,
1: I guess. I don't know. I, I, think they're, looking at
0: it, live. I think they're still working on that. That's kind of a tricky one. Aaron was telling me yesterday some of the ideas they had. So I don't think that's programmed in yet. But uh, yeah, if they can pull it off, that button will show up when we're live and you just hit it and you dial right into the show. Yep. Yep, worked for me. Good so, stuff. I'm coming, uh, You know the other interesting thing I saw in there. We uh, we brought back a ton of our old shows, and they're in the library now. Um, Oh, Aaron said that. So watch today, uh, Matt. When we go off the air, your button should disappear.
1: Okay. Yeah, Yeah, that'll be interesting. You and Aaron.
0: You know the. the You know the shows I'm actually interested in going back and listening to myself because I think it'll be very educational. Are the. Rico, Rico Muhammad, rates and lanes. I know Chuck Snow joined him a lot on those. Uh, but going back, I'd love to go back and listen to what they were talking about rates just a couple years ago and see how much worked out the way we thought it might have.
1: And, and the numbers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah <laughs> when yeah
1: and they were talking about really good rates back then and the numbers gonna sound small today
0: It's gonna sound really small but uh, yeah that show I think will really be interesting to go back and listen to those again and they're all they'll they're all in our library so they'll be on the app when you get the app and I, I don't think I know we just started beta but we're not planning on being all that long. I mean I think we're going to be submitting our first uh, first version for approval here fairly soon. So we will keep, yep, great stuff. Let's, uh, let's go to California. Another Matt, Matt, welcome.
1: Hi Kevin, thanks for taking the call. How are you doing?
0: Good, what's on your mind today? Well,
1: I called you uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, about my blood pressure after taking the vaccine's Pfizer vaccines. Unfortunately, call dropped out. Um, I was just south of Big Junction, I think. And call dropped out, dropped into a valley, and I never got to sort of ask the question that I wanted to ask. Okay. Um, which was basically what? What can I do with a, besides taking blood pressure medication? Is there any particular particular foods I can avoid or target to help reduce? blood pressure and a racing heart.
0: Yeah. There are some things we can do. Well, tell me about your diet first.
1: Well, it's, it's kind of all over the place. Um, I probably don't eat that well when I'm on the road, which I am right now, of course. Um, you, you did mention, like I listened to the, I listened to the call afterwards and I listened to your response. If you suggested I get a hold of, um, I forgot the name of the doctor you mentioned. Doctor Wolf, to maybe get a hold of. That's right. Yeah, but I'm from Canada, and I don't know how that will work exactly. I, as far as I don't know what he would bill me for a consultation and
0: whatnot. Well, I know he does a lot of virtual, so I would certainly reach out to him. I don't know if being in Canada causes any issues or not. You know, it doesn't seem like it should, but then the borders can be weird sometimes. But I would reach out to him. You, By far, you're going to get okay. the best advice. Now, I can give you some things to get you started, and you're going to hear the exact same things from him. He can just go much further than I can. I can talk about nutrition, uh, you know, what you should be eating, what you shouldn't be eating. I can talk about some supplementation. He can go much further than that. And, and he's been all over the, the COVID issues and how it's affecting people's hearts. And um, so he may have some... Supplements or some protocols that I'm not aware of. I'm actually really hoping on my trip home um, I can stop and spend some time with them because I'd love to talk to him more about some of these things. First off, here's the single most important thing you can do. And it's not about what foods you should be eating. It's about all the foods you shouldn't be eating. And if you want yeah. to, there's probably an inflammation factor here, Um There's certainly some immune function involved with this. There's, it's got to be affecting, you know, the adrenals and that kind of thing with the racing heart. So, what we want is the lowest inflammation diet we can possibly eat. And the lowest inflammatory diet we can eat is carnivore, just meat. And, oh, okay. And we can, we can try dairy and eggs. Those are both carnivore, but dairy and eggs can be reactive to some people. So we would test that. You know, you, right. it, and we can even test it pretty quickly. Um, there's something called a coca's pulse test. So you sit in a chair, uh, feet flat on the floor, and you take your pulse or you have somebody else take it. And then we would have you take a bite of eggs and hold it in your mouth. And we take your pulse again. And there's some time limits here. And believe it or not, if you're reactive to a food, your heart rate goes up immediately. Just putting the food in your mouth, your heart rate goes up. And yeah, it's a pretty cool test. I've done it with people and it's, it's pretty telling and it works. Or we could go spend $500 on a food sensitivity test. But I like the idea of let's just... You know, it, when you're doing a true elimination diet and you have lots and lots of foods that you might want to put back in your diet, then sometimes that $500 is worth it. But if all we're trying to do is see right. if dairy and eggs are reactive to you, why spend the money? Let's just do a quick free test. And if you can eat the dairy and the eggs, then all the meat you want, all the seafood you want, dairy and eggs, nothing else. Or very, very little. I would say you can throw in some fermented foods. It's easy because it's not like you have to have this crazy list about what you can eat and what you can't eat. And and it's just really, really effective. It's very low inflammatory. Um, So (laughs) Dr. Wolfson is actually getting ready. I forget the dates. Um, He's getting ready to run a challenge. It's like uh he's calling it the 100-year heart challenge. He's you know wants to show people how to live in a way that your heart's going to make it to 100 years old. Uh, so now would be a good time to reach out to him. You may want to be a part of that challenge because okay. there's a lot of resources that he'll be able to help you with.
1: Okay, cool. Okay. Um, I would um, you know I was thinking that when it's... I think what well, I was nose. So like excessive self intake is it, probably a cause of high blood pressure is that.
0: No, that's a myth. That's a myth. I just posted about this on Healthy Tribe. I posted a really good article from Dr. Mercola, and this is nothing new. I mean, we've known for 8 plus years. It, when I say we, I mean me and our team and but doctors the, the good doctors have known this a lot longer. There's a good book out there called The Salt Fix and it's been around a long time. Okay. And It actually shows that there were times in history that human beings consumed about 10 times more salt than we do today. And most of our salt today, part of the problem with our salt consumption today is almost all of it comes from processed foods. It's not really people salting their food at the table. You don't put that much salt on when you salt at the table. It's all the processed food that gets loaded with the worst quality salt. It's all it's chemicals, it's overly processed. But let's think about this. On the standard American diet, you eat a lot of processed food. I mean, look at look at soup. Look at any soup in the can. even if it says low sodium, it's still got a lot of salt in it. If it's not low sodium, it's loaded with salt. Because they took all the fat out of it. And if you take all the fat out of food, there's no flavor left. So you either have to put in sugar or salt. So all of the snack kind of foods are loaded with sugar to bring back flavor. And all of the savory foods are loaded with garbage salt. Now, if you drop all of that processed food and all you're eating is carnivore, you have to work to get enough salt into your diet. Right. So you should well, be saltier live I.
1: Right. So well, before you went live, you were on a, a previous show, I'm assuming you were talking about the pink, the pink Himalayan salt, I think black salt and whatnot yeah. at, at home. When I cook at home, they use kosher salt. Is that
0: that's a, perfect. Yep. That, yep. That's another one. I should have, okay. I, I should have mentioned that kosher salt is good as well.
1: Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Cause it's, it's salty, but it's like it seems that it seems less salty than just regular table salt that you might buy.
0: Yeah, table salt is the garbage we want to stay away from. And you're right. Okay, yeah. The, the The real unprocessed salts, it's hard to explain. They still make your food taste really good, but you don't get that intense salt bite that that I don't like. It's a much cleaner. Right. Salt flavor; it's hard to describe, but I, yeah, I think you hit it—that it's different.
1: Right, it is. Yeah, I use it for like you know boiling water for pasta, etc., etc. Et
0: yeah. Okay. Well, that'll give you some well, ideas. Good stuff,
1: Thanks You're for. Uh,
0: You're welcome. That'll give yes. you some ideas to get started. Reach out to Doctor Wilson. Um, now, again, supplement wise, we have a product, Cardio Miracle, um, Beats. Are actually good for lowering blood pressure fermented beets are even better for lowering blood pressure and fermenting them takes away some of the oxalates that can be a problem for some people Um, our product cardio miracle has fermented beets plus a lot of other nutrients that are really good for the heart so you could start with that start working on your diet add the cardio miracle twice a day but at the same time, reach out to Dr. Wolfson. Um, I'm sure he's got a lot of good information on uh, what's happening after the after the jab. Let's go to Iowa, Jim. Welcome to the program. Jim, are you there? Austin. Oh, there you are. Hi. Uh, yeah, can you hear me? I can. Go ahead.
3: Uh, Yeah, I wanted to ask about irritable bowel syndrome. Yes. Say that three times. I know. Um, My 37-year-old son's come down with it, I believe, and I want to know the protocol besides diet of what could clear him up.
0: Uh, Nothing. It is all about diet. Now, once we clean up the diet, there are some other things we can do, some nutrients, some supplementation. But trying to do any of that supplementation under his current diet will do nothing but waste his money.
3: Okay. Okay. So I need to get him on carnivore and uh, get him to get rid of the grain.
0: Grains are the biggest offender when it comes to our digestive system. I mean, again, think about it. Now we have, we have IBS, we have IBSD, we have IBSC, we have UC ulcerative colitis, we have Crohn's. I, these are all digestive issues. Where the hell did all these problems come from? And, and they seem to be so common now. I mean, I, I was, you know, I was uh, back home and one of my high school friends I haven't seen in a couple decades, he's a chef. He's got it, and it's bad. I mean, flare-ups have put him in the hospital at times. And honestly, just getting rid of the grains will probably make a big improvement. But again, this is an inflammatory disease. So if we want the fastest path to the lowest inflammation, it turns out to be carnivore.
3: Okay. Okay, I'll see how I can get him talked into doing because I know he's talked to his doctor and uh, I don't know what I can do about it, but hey, if I can get some of my changes to show up.
0: Yeah, do you spend any time with uh, them?
3: Not as much as I'd like to because I'm on the road
1: and
0: right, he I lives know. two hours from our house. So. Okay, so here's, here's the challenge I like to give people. Ask him to try it for seven days, just seven days. And see if you get results. A lot of times we get some pretty dramatic results in just seven days. And then that encourages people to keep going. And, and we okay, have to well, tell them you've got to be really strict at this. And if you tell somebody you've got to be really strict at something like this for 30 days, it kind of freaks them out. But if you just say seven, yeah. seven's easy to face. And then if we can see some results, then that's encouraging and, and maybe you can keep going. And at this point, don't even think about any kind of supplementation. If if after seven days he's feeling better, then just try another seven days. And if you're still feeling better and things are okay. improving, so do it seven days at a time. If we get 30 days out and he's still eating like this and things are getting better, and maybe there's a couple little symptoms left, then we can look at some supplementation.
3: Okay. Well, I he's a big smoker, he's, uh, as in meat smoker tobacco smoker oh good he loves to good. do that and, good. and so that that's a big thing you know yeah um, and he's dairy i i know his pizza is a big part of his diet but i think i can get him talked out of that if he can eat ribs and, and uh,
0: absolutely all the time. absolutely uh, can eat so all the smoked meats he wants <laughs>
3: Yeah, because he's got he's got like two or three smokers now. So excellent. He he kind of gets carried away. So yeah, tell okay, I appreciate your help. That's what I thought. I just wanted to document. You know, double check yep. before um, I really start pushing it.
0: Yeah, the the you know if so. we were if we were trying to to supplement our way out of these problems when people are still eating the standard American diet, we'd be no different than the. The doctors. In fact, we'd be less effective than the doctors. Yeah. The doctors just keep loading them yeah, up with drugs. Yeah, I understand. And and you yeah. know if we all we did was try to load him up with supplements, we'd be no different than them, and we'd be less effective.
3: Yeah, I, I know he's got a little high blood pressure too, and I know that would help it too. So and that will disappear um, quickly. I'll get him. I'll see what I can do about getting started on it, and. Uh, you know, I'll start talking to him and, and not be lecturing him. Right. But try to talk him into it and just try it for seven days. Excellent. See what happens.
0: Excellent. So, I'd love to I hear back from it. you. Thanks, Kevin. You're welcome. Yeah, Thanks, I'd love, love to hear back. Let's go to Texas. Kevin, welcome to the program. Good, good morning, Kevin. <clears throat> good morning. I got a, a
2: couple of things. I, I have a few things. Uh, the first is, uh, Bruce is always saying, uh, about the cruise control that it's hard to get fuel mileage. I, I don't, I've got a 15 model Cascadia and I find it really difficult to beat my cruise control whenever I'm driving by the foot or, or
0: now, now opposed
2: we, to the cruise.
0: Well, you got to hear the whole story here, and sometimes we don't always tell the whole story. Um, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but I've got them somewhere that tells us uh, most of the country is pretty darn level. When you make a trip from the East Coast to the West Coast, obviously depending on which way you go, but but for the most part, 90% of that trip, you're on the level. That, it's pretty right. high. I may be a little off on my numbers, but it it's a lot. Now, on the level, cruise is fine. It's only when you start getting into the okay. rolling hills that you can beat the cruise every time by driving with your foot.
2: Well, the, I'll agree with that. because Yeah, it,
0: well, that's all we were really I, talking I'm, about. We're not talking about never use the cruise. In fact, it's the opposite. You get a long stretch across Nebraska and... the the cruise will beat you all day long on fuel mileage.
2: Okay. Okay. Well, I was just kind of, kind of curious. And, and what got me thinking about that is, you know, uh, Joel, he talks about his cruise on his new Volvo with that new transmission and it's GPS. I can only imagine how good that thing can get because it, it can tell what's coming up. Yeah. I mean, and pretty soon it would be like almost autonomous. You know, eventually, autonomous is going to... There's always going to be something a computer can't do that a human can. But I'm really excited about the new technology coming out because, I mean... Obviously, they're safe for sure. There's going to be some snafu, but I promise you that computer is not going to be looking at his phone going down the road at 70, 75 miles per hour.
0: Yeah, well, you're right. There are a lot of things that the computer is going to do way better than a human, and they're going, here's the other thing we, we forget. Even if you have somebody who is really, really good at hitting the right shift points, getting into the throttle just the way they should, letting off the... No matter how good that human is, they'll never be as consistent as a computer. They have bad days. They have bad moments. They get distracted all the time. There's 10 other things going on in their brain, and that computer is so good at doing things over and over and over and over exactly the same way consistently, and these modern cruise controls. And, you know, here's the thing. I'm trying to remember when I first started talking about, I think they were calling it adaptive cruise control. I'm thinking I was talking about it before 2010, that that it was coming and, and we're just starting to see it, but you're right. Now the computer knows before you ever get to the hill. It knows when the incline starts at just two or three percent, and it can adjust for that. So we are right. at, we are finally getting to the point. Remember when we first brought out the automated manual transmissions? We said, "Oh, they're going to shift better than a human," and they should have. But the first couple generations, eh, they weren't they weren't good at it at all. In fact, some of them were horrible. Yeah, uh, but we're we're Android way
2: one. They were. not Yeah.
0: We're, we're 20 years past that now though. I mean, we had AMTs 20 years ago, so they've come a long, long way. So the ability to use cruise control more and more often is certainly becoming a reality.
2: Right, right. Well, I also had another question. I get an annuity uh, from my wife. She passed away about five years ago and, uh, I was going to try to take that and put that in cause I pay annuity is taxable. So what, and I'll get that for the rest of my life. No, no matter what, you know, Okay. but what I was going to do is I was going to try to take that money and start putting it in a, like a money market through Vanguard or something. Okay. And, uh, and that way, that way it'll offset the taxes that I pay every year on it. But all, but by the time, I get 59, which I'm, it's not very far. I'm, I'll be 52 next month. Okay. By the time I get that, I'll be able to draw my annuity at the same time. And I'll be able to draw that Roth, that uh, Roth IRA or whatever through Vanguard that I have that. So essentially I'll be able to draw my annuity and I'll be able to start taking that at 59 Correct. to try to make me make it through. Because right now my age is 72 before I can even start drawing my full benefits on my social security, which I think is insane.
0: It is insane. But, uh, you know, here's the crazy well, thing for, for years and years and years, human life expectancy in the United States kept going up and they did almost nothing with social security. Well, they raised it a couple times, but now all of a sudden we're at a place where our diet and our health is so bad that life expectancy in the United States is actually coming back down. We're not living longer anymore. We're living shorter, and people are getting sick earlier and earlier in life, and now when we're going the other way, they're pushing Social Security out further. What a scam the whole Social Security thing is, honestly. Um,
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But do you think that's a good idea for yes. me to put my annuity in like a Roth IRA through a mutual fund through Vanguard?
0: Yes. Yeah. Now th- we okay. could we could talk about details and that kind of stuff. But the, yes, that there's never a time where it doesn't make sense to put money aside. If you can put money aside, you should okay. always do it. Now, if we can get a tax advantage out of it, that's even better. Uh, you're in a Roth. Your tax advantage is going to come at the end not at the beginning, but it's a much bigger advantage. That's why we like the Roth so much. Um, how, how do you, how do you get the annuity payments now? Are they yearly monthly? How does it work?
2: No, no, they're, they're monthly. They come on the last, the last day of the month, each, each month, and they get direct deposited in my checking account. So
0: perfect. Perfect. Could, you you could just I set could up
2: have that new, right.
0: You could just set up an automatic exactly. transfer, have it go right into now you had mentioned a money market account. I'm I'm almost thinking because you're doing this monthly, which is what we call dollar cost averaging, even though uh, we're we're ready for a market correction, it could end up being a really big pullback. The best way for me to answer this question is to say how I would do it. Now, I'm a little more risk tolerant than a lot of people. So you always have to base this on your own risk. Are you going to be able to sleep at night? If I had an annuity coming in right now and I was 52, I would start putting it into the S&P 500. And I know that I'm probably going to lose some money here in the beginning, but I wouldn't try to market time this. I would just start putting it into the S and P 500 within your Roth IRA every month. And yeah, if the market corrects, you're going to start saying, Oh, but I should have waited. Yeah. But you know, I was saying back in 2017 we needed to be careful that you can't market time for this reason. There's just way too many variables. So you have enough time. I, okay. like I said, if it were me, you could put it into a money market within your Roth IRA and have zero risk. You would never lose any money. And, you know, maybe interest rates are going to come up enough that money markets might start to make some sense again. But I I think right now I would probably start putting into the S&P 500 and then I would just watch what interest rates start doing.
2: So should I just call Vanguard and tell them, look, here's what I got. I want to put it in the S&P 500. I know. Well, and not only that, but I mean, it's, I mean, it's money that I have, but I'm not working for it. It's basically that, it's basically free money, so I don't you, think I would sit there and be chewing my nails at night.
0: You know, that's a really good point. That is true. When when we have money that you know we didn't really work for, and we have other money that we do work for, I'm even more risk tolerant of that kind of money.
2: So I should put it in a high risk. But, because well, don't you choose what. Whether it's well,
0: medium, low, or high risk. No, I, I already. Or is that just on a 401k? No, it's it's not on any of them. What when I when we say your the money's going into the S and P 500, that is the fund. It, so we don't. Oh, okay. That is the fund. That's where it's going to go. Now, based on where we are in the market, yeah, I would say the S and P 500 right now is pretty darn high risk. But it's okay because, because it's going to drop. It, yeah, but if you told me, look, I came into it and inherited and it's $100,000. Well, no way would I put all that into the S&P 500 right now. I I would right. dollar cost average myself. I would divide it out by, you know, 120 months and start putting in a little bit each month. Your annuity comes each month, so your dollar cost averaging by default.
2: Okay. Okay. And I just got one more question. You know, earlier we were talking about, uh, that guy was talking about the 401k. Yeah. You know, some companies, some companies will match your 401k and I'm the only, I mean, I'm a, I'm a LLC, but I just file right now as a sole proprietary because I haven't reached that 60,000. Okay. Uh, Payable taxes, you know, like you always say, that's when you really want to start get, gaining anything. Right. Otherwise, it's just better to stay so proprietary. It is. See, yeah. I listen to you, sir. Good, good. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but anyway, I was wondering if I was to take like, and and just for the knowledge, you know, you have to, it's a percentage always in a 401k. If I was to start, uh, once I got to that threshold and I started filing as an S Corp, could I start a 401k and then have my, my, my company match that 401k and get a tax break on both sides of my income?
0: Yes. But and that's double my that's,
2: money and savings.
0: Sort of, but that's what we were. And this gets really hard to explain on the radio. If I had, you know, charts in front of me and, and it's a little easier to explain, but the, that's what, That's the limitation we ran into that Matt just discovered that we weren't very clear on before. When you go try to read this stuff, it gets really, really confusing. And I've never had anybody want to put that much in, so I never really researched these individual 401ks to that extent. But what Matt is finding is once you have an S-Corp, you have to set a salary, and the way we save money on taxes is we set your salary as low as we think we can get away with. The IRS has, you right. know, they'll watch this. They, you can't go too low. The lower we go, the less tax you pay. But the lower you go, the less your company can contribute for you. Matt said the limit is 25% of your W-2. So we've always said oh. for a single truck owner-operator... You know, try to get away with paying a salary of forty thousand. Now, in the last couple of years, drivers' wages have gone way up. So, trying to get away with forty thousand might be really pushing it these days. May you know, fifty would probably be a little safer. So that means you'd be able to put in like uh, what is that? Like twelve five, twelve thousand five hundred from the company mm-hmm. plus your. So it's still a lot of money. The reason, you know, it, it, it we were talking about it with Matt is Matt absolutely wants to max his out, and we've always thought he would be able to when he got to this point. Now we're finding out it's more limited than what we thought. Okay.
2: Okay. All right, well, then that's, that's all I got, and uh, I, I appreciate you. Thank you, Kevin.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for the call. You know, I, I love talking about this kind of stuff. And I wish we talked about it more: investments and saving for retirement, and you know what's going on with money markets or the S and P five hundred or what's going to happen to interest rates. I I love this stuff, Um, but we we just don't talk about it a lot. And sometimes this might be why uh, it can just be really confusing when you try to talk about it on the radio. When I when I'm at a seminar, and I can show charts and we can really take our time. it's a little easier. This stuff can get kind of complicated. Let's go to Pennsylvania this time. John, welcome to the program.
4: Hey, Kevin. you hear me?
0: Yeah. What's on your mind today?
4: Uh, I wanted to get your uh, advice or opinion on uh, if I should sell my uh, reefer trailer.
0: Yes. <laughs> so, <I said>. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's uh, 2012, I custom ordered it new. It's a 13. I ran reefer for a few years to the ELD stuff started since then I was going to sell it. I got offered 35 at that time, a few years ago, which is what I thought it was worth. But I wanted to do the flatbed a try before I sold it. And the thing's been pretty much sitting ever since in my garage. And now I hear people these rates. I think I can get like 60, 65,000 for this thing. And the only thing I don't know is cause in, in four more years, I'm thinking about going back to reefer. And I'm afraid, like my dad just ordered a new one. He's paying 150 for one.
0: Here, yeah. So I'm afraid here,
4: the price is going to be up. Should I keep it? Shouldn't I keep it? Or what?
0: Well, again, this is one of those questions I can only answer based on what I what I would do myself, because we don't know right. the future prices. We, but here's what I have to believe. If we have to continue paying north of $200,000 for a new truck and north of 100000 for a reefer, our inflation is never going away. And I just don't believe that our market can handle these kinds of prices in normal times. So I believe that the prices are going to come way, way back down to more reasonable. And certainly within four years, I would think so. Uh, Right now, I think your timing is excellent. Flatbed is about the hottest sector in the market right now. Um, You've got a trailer that's just been sitting there doing nothing. And if we're about to head into a really bad time in the economy that cash would be really nice to have.
4: Okay. So that would I, be my next question. What should I do with, what What percentage of that, if I got 60, would I pay tax? And is there any way not to, or what should I do with the money?
0: No, there is no real way not to pay tax on it anymore. We can't even defer the tax on it the way we used to be able to. Well, in order to defer the tax in the past, you would have had to buy new equipment, truck, trailer, something big like that. Now, even if you did go do that, you don't get to defer the tax. You'd still have to pay the tax on it. So, yeah, you're going to have to pay tax. Um, I'm assuming it's fully depreciated. Yeah. Okay. So... How much did you pay for it new?
4: 75 in
0: 2012. Oh. Oh, okay. So there won't be any capital gains. This is actually easy. You'll ha- let's say you sell it for 60. I'm just going to use an easier number. If you sell it for yep. 60, you you have 60,000 in recapture of depreciation and no capital gain. So 60, 12, 15,000 in tax.
1: 15. So I'd get walk
4: away
0: at 45. Yep. So, and like I said,
4: I'm probably going to, I, you know, things change, but I plan on buying another new one in four years. So would you put that money into something and let it sit for the down payment at that yeah. time? Or what would you do with it?
0: I would put, even if you wor- forget the trailer in four years, I don't even want to try to think four years out and it doesn't really matter. I'm just basing it on nope. I think we're about to go through a rough time in our economy. Um, I would stick it in a money market account right now. It's, the money markets may be up to a couple percent interest. But if, you know, we keep hearing all these comparisons to 1980, 81, 82, inflation is through the roof, Rate interest rates are being hiked. Back in 1982, If you had $45,000 to put into bank CDs, you'd be making $4,500 a year in interest. We may end up back at that place again. So I'd stick it in a money market and just watch what CDs start doing.
4: Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy what the, like I said, I could have sold it four or five years ago for 35 and now we're talking
1: 60
4: and it's like how do you not sell
1: it you know
0: no you know what we had this conversation the other day with uh joel and john and i said if i had a 10 truck fleet today i may seriously sell all all my equipment take six months off and wait and see what happens
1: yeah yeah it's crazy
0: it is we've never seen anything thinking back to 81 82 those years this did not happen to used cars and used trucks and used equipment. This is a new phenomenon. We've never really seen anything like this.
4: Now, how about if I found a guy, would this be worth doing it all or no, that said he gave me like 20 cash and I sold it for 40 to not pay as much tax? Is that anything worth messing with?
0: You can defer the tax if you sell it to somebody on payments, and then you would only pay tax on the money you received each year out of the payments. So you can defer your taxes, but you're also risking somebody tearing your trailer up and then not paying you.
4: Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that.
0: I wouldn't either. It, we, there's, there's enough good uh-huh. offers out there, people will pay cash, that I would just sell it cash, pay the tax, and be done with it. I just hate paying that fifteen thousand. You know? We we all do. We all do. It it, it just <laughs> makes me crazy when you got to write Internal Revenue Service on that damn check.
4: All yeah, right. All right. That's all I got for you.
0: All right. That's uh, that's going to wrap it up. I'm going to go back and uh, try to wrap up this coach. Uh, boy, when it comes out of the shop this time. Got a lot of things upgraded. I may even spend a little extra time now that I'm digging into it. We've got a bunch of stuff taken apart. Uh, I'm kind of excited about it. So I want to get back to it. We will see you back here tomorrow. I think we're going to try to do a uh, trucking technology and efficiency. I'll reach out to John and Joel, see if they're available tomorrow. If not, it'll be a freaky free for all Friday. Maybe it will be anyway with all three of us. We'll see. Be safe. Be safe.